Hello, welcome to That Geek Pod. I'm Catherine and here with me is Steve from Fan and Furious, my favourite new podcast. How are you going, Steve? Good. How are you doing? Well, well. Now, I have not seen a single Fast and the Furious movie. However, <laughs> your podcast got me so emotionally hooked in, into them that listening to the breakdowns, I was like, no, that can't happen. <laughs> and and I was upset. Like, so... I feel you. I, I am way I am way emotionally invested in those uh, super spy car movies, and I know I make them sound like high drama sometimes. <laughs> they they've been such great fun. Um, so I've learned a bit about your fandom, about Fast and Furious fandom. That it was such a welcoming family because, of mm-hmm. course, Fast and Furious is all about family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sort of other things are you into or you can hmm. talk more about your fan the furious I don't mind sure no. so the, the funny thing is and uh Emily my co-host who you know uh we're talking yeah. about this this morning is like I've kind of been branded as the fast and furious guy to a lot of folks <laughs> yeah be- because I'm not like a bro car guy but I'm also obsessed with those bro car movies <laughs> but like <laughs> the funny thing is like that's not even my biggest obsession <laughs> you know i was i was talking to my wife about coming on your show and she was like so do people know that you are obsessed with toy story to a ridiculous degree (gasps) Ooh! and i was like i don't think so because i don't really have any hot toy story take she's like you love toy story more than anything else i'm like yeah you're probably right so that's that's my secret (laughs) revealed is toy story trumps fast and furious in my book Oh, but Toy Story, like Toy Story 2, if you don't, not weeping buckets, you don't have a heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my top five movies of all time. Yeah. So what did you think of the fourth one? I like it a lot. Mm. I think it it is unnecessary for sure. Yeah. But it, I think it earns its place by kind of one Forky's, a masterwork of a character and I, I i had my earlier today actually i had my i'm trash porky shirt on but i think it's an interesting movie about moving on and like realizing that sometimes you can stop being the protagonist and give things over to other people oh yeah so were you just the age where it hit you the first one hmm. or so i I think one, the age when the first one came out hit me pretty hard. Yeah. And two, I think, so I don't know if you know this, but like, you know, for work, I'm a therapist. Yeah. So for mental health has always kind of been an obsession of mine ever since I was like younger. Yeah. And Toy Story 2 being this movie about generational trauma and (laughs) and like how folks deal with trauma and learning to find joy like hit me like even at that age. Wow. Oh, man, all I got from it was don't throw away your toys. <laughs> Which is the reason I've never bought a Jesse doll. Oh. 
No. Because, you know, at some point, like, toys get old or die, you know, or get rid of them. And I was like, I would not emotionally be able to handle getting rid of a Jesse piece of merchandise. So I've never purchased one. No. No, that... That would be heartbreaking. Like I can just imagine at like a garage sale or a, a thrift store seeing a Jesse doll and my heart just breaking. Like, yeah, right. That that's that's just traumatic. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if they are still in business. I hope they are. But there is this store by me that whenever friends come to New York, I take them to. That it's an old lunatic runs it. Um, <laughs> And they have these racks and racks and you can barely get in the store of toys. But the toys they don't sell just stay on the shelf pushed back. They don't clear out stock and just put the new ones over it. So behind like, I don't know, whatever wrestler is popular now is like Roland Emmerich's Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. Yeah. (laughs) And like I saw a toy story like like bootleg lego minifigure of woody once and i had to buy that there but um i think like you're talking about just like kind of toys in a thrift shop and i think about this like there's a jar jar binks he has and he has had it since 1999 oh my god and he i have i mean a couple of times a year gone in there and been like how much for the jar jar and he's like 30 dollars, and i'm like no really yeah because that's a lot because <laughs> it's covered in dust and has been there for like what how long 30 years now? yeah yeah i'm just oh i feel like texting some of my toy friends to ask you know how much would a inbox jar jar 1999 <laughs> how much would that retail for yeah and it, it's covered in dust. It's all grimy. He hasn't moved it since 1999. <laughs> and, and I hope the pandemic hasn't killed them because it's a trip to go into that spot. Yeah. Yeah, those little little shops sometimes are the best. Like, you just find gold. Mm-hmm. I think I've purchased one thing there because the guy is so surly and just unwelcoming. <laughs> we... We had this shop or had this shop in Melbourne that was there for decades. Somehow it was called the Job Warehouse Mm -hmm. or Job Warehouse. No one was quite sure. And in the windows, the window display never changed. It just had like some old haberdashery Mm. strips of material and just random things. And it was just the most run-down, rubbish-looking place. Mm -hmm. And it, but it just became like this institution that everyone knew this shop. So this, you know, group, this comedy group, the D Generation in the nineties on their t- on their TV show, they decided they were going to go in there. But they went in first in disguises, you know, in trench coats mm-hmm. and moustaches, and then they put a horse costume on because, of course, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same segment, they also tried to get into. Oh, they got into a shop that sadly is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this bunch of shops on in North Road, which all the shop names had pun titles. Right. So this shop was called Stacks of Slacks. Mm-hmm. So they just sold pants, which are slacks. So Stacks of Slacks. Um, for a little while there, that place became a, a 
tax place. So it was like mm. stacks of tax. Um, yeah, Australia, we, we love a pun. I was, we do are love you, a pun. Are you sure you don't live in the opening credits of Bob's Burgers? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a an Indian place not far from me called mm. Rotty Botty. Yeah. I like I like this. I like these puns. That's that's yeah. solid work. Yeah, you you can't have like a even a Thai restaurant without having a pun. Your restaurant just won't work. <laughs> it's just a fact. We got like Vinny's Deli. <laughs> <laughs> there is over by me a diner that is on a corner and owned by a family, and it's literally just called the Family Corner. <laughs> good good see nice and easy we put no effort in no well yeah so toy story in number one fandom number one yeah uh-huh yeah. yeah and then followed by fast and the furious pretty close <laughs> so fast and furious i've heard a bit of the backstory was it the community that really got you in and just the mm-hmm. pure enjoyment that was around it well for me it was i was so against them because i was a snob when i I admit i was such a movie snob when i was younger (laughs) what a shock a white guy uh um but anyway (laughs) we you know and my ex-girlfriend thought vin diesel was the hottest guy in the world and like i went with her because she wanted to go at midnight and yeah the crowd was so infectious and so welcoming and so hyped to have new viewers and then you get this like super fun over the top movie with like such emotional sincerity in it. And I like live for that shit. But <laughs> I was just won over and I was like, this is the best. This is so good. Yeah. It's amazing what an enthusiastic community can do. And right? that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bit peek behind the scenes. Um, when we were setting this up, I was saying to Steve that we, I like to talk and, and keep positivity. Yes, except for when I was talking about Iron Fist because that was bad. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I try to keep very positive because enjoying things is more fun. And mm-hmm. I think your experience really speaks to that, that, that having a great time and being positive just lifts everything, doesn't mm-hmm. it? For sure. And even, and I mean, you've listened to the show. There are some movies I hate. Like, I hate Hobbs and Shaw with a fiery passion. (laughs) But like, more often than not, I try and find something I like about stuff or just walk away from it. Yeah. Because I just, and you you tell me, because you're, I think, more entrenched in fandom stuff than I am. Like, nerd rage is kind of off-putting and like, it, it drains you. Yeah. Yeah, like I yeah, that nerd rage and a lot of it is very male centric mm-hmm. is is just such a drain on energy and just hating on things before you know what they are. Mm-hmm. So I've had people like a person at work rage on there being a female doctor before he even saw her and I'm like it's it's an alien with two hearts who regenerates when they mm-hmm. die. Why can't it 
be a female, you know, like, and, yeah, just not wanting to enjoy things and wanting to pick apart everything. I mean, yes, we can see flaws in things. Um, Like the Rise of Skywalker was not my favourite. I didn't, I don't dislike it as much as Mm -hmm. others because, again, I'm trying to find Mm -hmm. some bits I like. But the hatred towards The Last Jedi really, I think, got my back up. Well, 99% of that was rooted in racism and misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. You know that. I don't mean to mansplain Star Wars hatred to you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The funny thing is, I can understand not liking Last Jedi because it challenges Star Wars. Hmm. And I get that. And I've had friends be like, I don't like this movie because it, it does something I don't like with Star Wars. And I'm like, that's fucking cool. I get that. Yep. Sorry, I don't know if I can curse on here. I apologize. Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, <laughs> just not the um, see you next Tuesday. Oh, I can't say that word. I have tried and can't. Uh, it's, I um, accidentally said it on a Zoom call with uh-huh. my friends a couple of nights ago. I was trying to say something else and it came out as, as that and <laughs> they all laughed their heads off. So, mm-hmm. oops. No, I can't. Try. I'm an F-bomb guy. But yeah, that actually, the last Jedi stuff is kind of one of the things that burnt me out on fandom in general. Yeah. Yeah, which is a shame that that Star Wars, which can give you such joy, it's given me a lot of joy mm-hmm. through the community. I've, I've found my people. I've found yeah. a group of people who enjoy stuff and, yeah, who are just fun to be with and that's being a part of it. So it's being a bummer that people have tried to tear it down. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad glad we're on that page. I like this positive Mm. energy. It's solid. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No gatekeepers here. Good. Yeah. The worst thing in the world to me is pop culture gatekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that so counterintuitive because if you want more of the stuff you like you need more people to like it Mm -hmm. because you know hollywood's not going to make more stuff if they're not making money that's yeah no for sure yeah and like i think one of the greatest lessons i've ever learned and i don't know for you is like it's okay not to care about something like, yeah. it's okay to be like, I have no interest in this piece of culture. I have no take on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Like, you can say, definitely, I don't need a hot take on everything. Like, like the yeah, the culture of the hot take. God, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, growing up, obviously... Star Wars is the big sort of geekdom. Um, The thing with Star Wars is that there's that minute knowledge that a lot of people would use as gatekeeping and I think kept a lot of people out and it has given other people the wrong idea of of fans. Um, Good old Star Wars. Um, so are there other sort of other f- 
fandoms, geekdoms. I mean, it can be anything. It doesn't have to mm. be sci-fi. I've geeked out about Jane Austen mm. on here. Nice. So, <laughs> I like. I would say like the biggest things for me uh, are like Twin Peaks, Fast and Furious, and uh, Toy Story are my big ones. But here, if you want me to get like kind of, I don't know, kind of weird with it, I love and obsess and geek out over movies that try something and fail really badly at it (laughs) so cats hell yeah cats um (laughs) but like something like okay i'm gonna get weird and we can totally cut this out if you need to have you ever heard of the oogie loves no no, tell me about it. Okay. Some billionaire was like, I'm creating the next big children's property. Oh, that's a good and, idea. <laughs> and put a bunch of money. There was a New York Times article about how it's like going to be the next big thing. And it was, um, it's terrifying movie with these people in giant knockoff Muppet suits with like a billion celebrities. And it was designed to be a theatrical event where kids were singing and dancing in the theater oh no and it made like two dollars at the box office (laughs) and he he planned it to be this media empire he was like there's gonna be tv shows and movies and toys and (sighs) like christopher lloyd plays a guy named mr sombrero that lives in a giant flying sombrero and does flamenco dancing (laughs) carrie elwes is like a cowboy (laughs) named bobbly wobbly Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> no. So stuff, yeah. Yeah, you can't just create, decide to create, a, like a viral sensation or create right. a thing. It's got to come naturally. I love that, and I think the only time something like that worked was John Wick. Yeah. Where the marketing was like, yeah, you know, John Wick, that guy we all know and love. <laughs> well, it was, you know, Keanu Reeves backing, kicking bum form. I I haven't seen them, but I, I listened to enough Empire Magazine podcasts mm-hmm. to, to know just about all of what happens. Um, they love the Fast and Furious movies and John Wick. Uh-huh. It's it's great to listen to like a a pod a movie podcast that's you know got got these well renowned critics mm-hmm. just completely geeking out over like Marvel and mm-hmm. yeah Fast and Furious and John Wick like that's good times mm-hmm. good times. Question for you, if you don't mind me yep. crying, are no, you an MC- cool. are you an MCU person? Yes, I um. I've gotten into it, you know, with the movies. I watched um, the X-Men cartoons back mm. in the 90s because they were awesome and the best theme song ever. Oh, yeah. That thing slaps. Um, and, yeah, so I guess I always enjoyed them and I started, I think, with the first Iron Man for some mm-hmm reason you know I, I was friends with the technician at work and you know me and 
some of his friends, we went to like the mid, the opening night of mm. Iron Man and it's been a tradition that I would go pretty much, yeah, opening night mm. of, of all of them. Um, but yet I didn't get swept away with emotion during Endgame, which I should have. I hate Endgame. It's cool. I'm a... <laughs> I have, I'm surrounded by Marvel Comics art as we talk, and I hate Avengers Endgame. But the reason I asked is, how are you feeling? Because I am hyped. This is where me getting geeky. That it yeah. looks like it's going to start getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're talking um, multiple um, Spider-Men, in, and you know, Doctor Strange is all... is. The first movie was weird, and now they're talking weirder. I'm, I'm all here for it. Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange is going to be wild. Yeah. Doing Blade, Blade is I love Blade, so Blade's going to be wild. It's <laughs> like vampires in the MCU. Like, what are we doing? I, I think Guardians, sort of proved that they could push the envelope a bit because for you know, today's audience, Guardians was a bit out there, but it proved that they could, yeah, yeah push it a bit. Um, Doctor Strange pushed it a bit more, mm-hmm. but I think people are here for it. You know, I know it's not MCU, but Spider-Man Into the Multiverse proved that people can cope with multiverses, and it was awesome. Spider-Verse is a masterpiece. Yeah. It, it is... And I don't use that word lightly. Like, that is a legitimate masterpiece of a film. Yeah. I was so disappointed when my too cool for school, then 15-year-old nephews mm-hmm. wouldn't want to go to their mo- to the movie with their auntie to see mm-hmm. <laughs> Spider-Man into the multiverse. I'm like, no. When did you grow up? Stop that. I love going to the movies alone. It's the best. Yeah. So- yeah, I've... I've gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, back, you know, in the before times, like mm-hmm. I used to love a Sunday morning, 10 in the morning uh, movie by myself mm-hmm. in arguably the worst theater in New York City. <laughs> uh, it ruled. I loved it. Yeah. I I love the, um, yeah, the, the good old matinee, you know, so you can be home tucked in bed nice and early as well. <laughs> yeah oh but nobody tells me like you know what snacks to get nobody tells me where to sit it's it rules oh we've got assigned seating so oh we have it too but like you know i don't have to like you know cater to friends or whatever no no you can pick where it suits you god i've the last movie i went to in the cinema was emma i think Mm -hmm. so that was a while ago yeah, I was I was looking over it actually last night. Funny enough, I think it was nineteen seventeen. We got to see it like late in the game. Was the last thing mm-hmm. I saw. Yeah, yeah. It's um, they've got some movie cinemas opening mm-hmm. in the other states, mm-hmm. so they've they've had Tenant and then a lot of reruns of okay. things. So, you know, my friend in Sydney, Hi Turbo, um, would send us pictures of, you know, what's playing at his local. So Empire Strikes Back, Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. Goonies, 
tenant. It's like, yeah. oh man, stop it. I am so tempted. If it's like an hour drive from where I live, but there are some of the AMC's have that you can rent a theater out for yourself for ninety nine bucks. Oh, nothing. Yeah, I feel like that's a really low amount for that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm translating that into Australian, so be around two hundred to twenty five, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Could be worth it. Like I squirrel away a little bit each month for a few months. And then I run a movie theater for myself. What are you watching? I don't know, because that's the problem. Like, the list is pretty short. I was like, it'd probably end up being Tenant, even though I like Christopher Nolan I have no time for right now. With his, I need to open a movie in a pandemic. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry if this is too long-winded storytelling. That's Uh, all good. Before I got married, uh, my my friend worked at the Landmark Sunshine, which was a like a really popular indie theater in uh, Greenwich Village in New York. And he worked there, and for my bachelor party, got them to give him a theater. Oh, cool! To show the musical The Apple. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. Ooh, talk about a movie that thought it was going to be a big deal and bankrupted a studio. <laughs> Uh, and we saw that and just the concept of having a movie theater empty to yourself and just like a couple of friends is like, the, is incredible. Yeah. It's the dream. What would you put on? Like you could have any movie. Right now. God, I'm going to be that person. So yeah, I want Star Wars on the big mm-hmm. screen. Like, you know, I missed, I missed the original run of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the special editions were only out for such a short period of time. You couldn't really soak them up. Um, so in the last few years, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra has mm-hmm. been playing the music live while the the movie's been playing. Um, so that's an amazing experience, but that's like the last time of seeing those movies on the big screen. So, yeah, I'd definitely be down for the seeing, yeah, the Star Wars stuff on the big screen again because, yeah, you got to. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have to. Well, no, I, you know, and a lot of people don't know about me. Like, I, I've fallen off, I think, just because of time and energy and other obsessions. But, like, I have a Lando Calrissian shelf in my apartment. Like, it's nothing but Lando figures. Yeah. So, like... I get that urge because um, <laughs> the concept of seeing Empire in a theater again is just, it It sounds yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, I love um, Cassie and Andor, mm-hmm. so I want some more Rogue One. So, I'm yes, I'm very pumped for the Cassie and Andor sequel series that's um, – coming out or being filmed mm-hmm. very soon. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to watch The Battle of Scarif one more time on the big screen. Um, but I think, you know, all of those big movies, 
that maybe a lot of I missed on the big screen, I'd like to see on the big screen again um, just to experience what it's like rather than just, you know, your VHS box mm-hmm. copy of it or beta to really age me. <laughs> I, I probably have some VHSs somewhere here. Uh, yeah, I was really lucky. You know, I mean, I grew up in New York. Like we had midnight movies of all the classics like all the time. So I, I was really lucky that I just had some extra coffee and was able to see like, you know, like Die Hard at Christmas and like whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see some of the Lord of the Rings on the big mm-hmm. screen again. Maybe not the Hobbits. I could live. I mean, there's certain scenes of the Hobbit movies that are great, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy, seeing those on the big screen again, they would that would be amazing because mm-hmm. that was a feat of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And got to support my New Zealand brothers. Yeah, I. You, oh gosh, I miss blockbusters in theaters so much. Yeah, I was talking about that the other day with somebody that that um, you know, like streaming's great and all, but you, it's hard to find just your random classic movies and. Mm-hmm. And older stuff, whereas, yeah, your video store, you're walking and you just find everything it felt like. So old Mm. classic movies, old television Mm. shows, current stuff, you'd find everything. You know, was it seven weeklies for $5 at our local Mm. video shop? Mm. It'd be great. The amount that I have spent this year on rentals because I was like, I want to watch blank. Mm, screw it i'll give them my three dollars is probably not great i because i went through a jane austen bent and for some reason there's not a lot of jane austen's adaptations on streaming i went okay and mr amazon you are getting my money as i buy Mm -hmm. two different versions of persuasion on Mm -hmm. dvd and northanger abbey Mm -hmm. and i would have bought more versions of different things if they had them. Mm-hmm. Like I have, yes. I. But why aren't they on streaming services? It's wild, the stuff that doesn't exist on streaming. Yeah. So quite another question for you. What does it yep. take to get you to watch a fast movie? Like what would it take to get you to pull the trigger on it? <laughs> Look. I'm I am now more intrigued about <laughs> watching them. I don't I don't know about, you know, full concentration in the movie theater just yet, but I I am more tempted to go, oh, oh yeah, there's Fast and Furious on there. I might I might whack that on and have a go. Um so yeah, it's been you guys talking about them. It's made me tempted and yes the the whole vin diesel the the question of his career like like what who is this man it's wild because we're almost done recording the entire series 
So we only got four to go. So like y'all have only gotten like the first four or five of our Vin Diesel deep dive. But we're yeah, we're we've... deep in. We recorded um we recorded we're we our latest recording was Riddick. So like we're almost done. We got Last Witch on our last next week. So where we were where you're hearing about this man's career and where we're at now recording is <laughs> it's bleak. It's <laughs> He doesn't he's... seem like a great guy. Oh. <laughs> but that. Oh. Because, yeah, the last thing we, I heard from was Pitch Black, of course, mm-hmm. filmed in Australia, out in Cooper Pedy. I think if you go out there, you can still find sets, like bits and pieces of sets, because um, that's also near where, um, Mad Max was filmed, mm-hmm. um, but also he dropped a single. Like, what? Who is this man? He's got another one coming next week. <laughs> um, yeah, because because the way he talks about the Fast and Furious and the way that you've described how like his little side ventures, how he's gone and filmed all this other stuff in um, the countries that the film The Fast and Furious thing. It really does sound like he has a passion for filmmaking, for mm-hmm. diversity, for promoting people. And and yet he has this movie persona that is, yeah, doesn't doesn't match. Look, I get being like a super insecure person i have always been a super insecure person but i think you know there's there's then become you know feeling insecure and go to kindness and there's being insecure and going to ego and kind of being an ass and i think he's hit the gas in the huge ego being an ass way (laughs) oh Oh. so how far along is the pacifier in like midway yeah i think that was a turning point for him mm. what what, did he just decide not no more of comedies or no more of that guy he did that and he did find me guilty with Sidney lumet which is actually quite a good movie and that was his last time trying to be anything except for vin diesel persona Mm. so i think pacifier and find me guilty he tried to get out of his comfort zone and then said never mind (laughs) And then never left. Yeah. yeah I've I caught part of the, the pacifier, you know, one of those accidentally flicking mm. through the channels, found the pacifier and went, oh, Ving Diesel from the Fast and Furious movies. It's wretched. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite bad. And I, I came in on the second half. So. It's a bad movie. Yeah. But we're being positive here. Yep. Yay. But yeah, Yeah. like not to bounce around, but like when you're talking about the fast fandom, I think what's interesting about it is it's very hard to gatekeep a series that um, changes genres midstream. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And also it's really hard to gatekeep outside of like, do you know what car they used? And I think that may also help with the fans being kind of chill. Yeah, that it all gets written off because of Noz. 
whatever yeah. Noz and is. And family, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you kind of can't have the heart of your film series be family and togetherness and, like, looking out for each other and then be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Because then people don't get it. I mean, a lot of times people don't get it. Um, so, you know, like recently all these people saying, oh, when did Star Trek get political? Uh, when it started. Yeah, right. Like, do, you, do you not see what Gene Roddenberry was doing? Yeah. Well, it's like the people who complain about Chris Evans being too political. And I'm like, the man is Captain America, the like the most yeah. political superhero. He's America's butt. I mean, come on, let him, yeah. let him talk. I mean, Captain America is a character. It's, I know way too much about comics, but like, who denounced America during the Vietnam War because he thought it was immoral. Yeah, and <laughs> let's not forget what side of the um, accords he was on. He did not want to have everything yeah. signed over to the UN uh, or whoever, you know, yeah. Security Council. It just, I think people want, like, want to see themselves in stuff, which is understandable, but when you're you're a bad person, uh, you know, you get upset yeah. when they're, they're not like you. <laughs> Yeah, when when things get pointed out to you that maybe, you know, things can be different. You know, the people who are on top now don't always have to be on top. Or, um, you know, diversity is good. Yay! Yeah. I, I wish the new, you know, the last run of Star Wars films would have given Finn more to do. Um, yeah, I always felt like they didn't give him enough, but I, I loved seeing like, you know, none of the three main new folks were white dudes, and that made me so fucking happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with the new movies, the only one that had a white dude as the main protagonist was Solo, mm -hmm. and that was based on. You know, a previously existing character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I I wish Finn did get more to do and, and Rose, I mean, the yeah. underuse of Rose in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. You know, when, when you can get home from the movie and go, right, they could have had Finn going around the galaxy mm -hmm. storytelling about what Luke Skywalker did. You know, have him going around telling people, being the storyteller of what Luke Skywalker did mm -hmm. at the Battle of Crate to help, you know, make that uprising of the stormtroopers and others. Why not make him do that? Why not have Rose on the Falcon at the start instead mm -hmm. of the armless Claude? How how was he a mechanic? I, I, I don't get it. I still have not seen Rise of Skywalker because I can't because of all the strobe lights and being epileptic uh, like i just i tried and i got a migraine like in the first 10 minutes oh yeah i know everything that happens yeah. and i'm like i'm okay yeah yeah and it's a shame that 
that's left so many people sort of going, I think I liked it. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, and and of, I mean, obviously, it's got the weight of of nine movies on it. Mm-hmm. It 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 has a lot to live up to. That expectations are way too high. So yeah, which is a shame. But when me who doesn't know about screenwriting can go I can while in the movie going I see a way where Rose could have gotten Mm -hmm. a few more minutes of screen time and a bit more authority without you changing anything Mm -hmm. that's a problem that's a problem Well, well when you try and please everybody you end up pleasing nobody yeah yeah uh but so you know, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just saying, it's like, you know, I get that it's a huge disappointment and a letdown for a lot of folks, but thankfully, like, you know, they didn't burn the other good movies. No. No. They they're still out there. We've yeah. still got our um, our VHS. Some of us, <laughs> um, DVDs, laser disc rips. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're all still out there. And it's all all great. We've got Mandalorian season two coming mm-hmm. up, and season one was heaps of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Star Trek person, I've got you know Star Trek Discovery doing you know really breaking the mold of mm-hmm. what we thought Star Trek was, and Michelle Yeoh singer, and Michelle Yeoh's awesome. She's the best. Yeah, yeah. Do you watch Star Trek at all, or? I don't. I've, I've I've dabbled. Like I, I'm like I've seen some of Next Gen. I've in, I've seen the Next Gen movies. Like I, I obviously saw Star Trek Beyond because you know Justin Lin directed it, and <laughs> it's essentially a Fast and the Furious movie in Star Trek. Yeah, and I was in heaven. Uh, but I, I it never not because I disliked it. It just it never clicked with me the way it did for a mm. lot of folks. And I've debated going back and kind of tackling next gen, but I haven't found the way to do it yet. Yeah. I think from a modern point of view, there's a lot because, you know, seven seasons of 24 to 26 episodes, mm-hmm. it's a lot. And there's not an overarching story or very rarely mm-hmm. is there. Um, so I think sort of modern sensibilities would would react a bit to that but it is mainly you know a very positive look at the future and us coming together uh deep space nine is my favorite um it's you know gene roddenberry wasn't involved in that because it was made after his passing so so in that we actually see what gene roddenberry never wanted which was um you know, the main crew members sometimes being in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. Obviously not over, you know, the major things that come together, but you're not always agreeing with each other and having different ways of tackling mm-hmm. problems. Um, and that's when we we start getting all these very long arcs of basically starting from season three, if not a bit, 
before, it's all building and it's like the our modern way of having TV shows mm-hmm. was there in the early 90s in Deep Space Nine and, yeah, it's good fun. Should I be an agent of chaos and have Deep Space Nine be the only Star Trek I've watched? Ooh. That'd be interesting. I, I want to experiment on you and, and get you to do it. Just go deep and like learn everything about Deep Space Nine, but then not know a goddamn thing about any other <laughs> Star Trek. Because I kind of like this is a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's why not? I There's just so much Trek mm-hmm. that uh, I think for a modern viewer, admittedly the, there's bits in the first season where you go, oh, okay, this is an episode. I'm getting through it. But I think overall Deep Space Nine is amazing and mm-hmm. it has some great, fantastic actors in there. So um, Louise Fletcher, mm-hmm. um, so from the nurse Radic from One through uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest she's like a recurring guest actress mm-hmm. in it and she's amazing amazing and and you know some of these actors you go why don't you know, the emmys and all that recognize science fiction when they are doing their acting awards they should because yeah. they are delivering just unbelievable unbelievable things um have i watched the other day for a a a podcast commentary with someone um star trek 6 the undiscovered country Mm -hmm. and that was great fun star trek 4 is the one with the whales so that was my very first star trek nice see i've seen all the movies at one point or another yeah i think with the movies, you're probably then right jumping in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, do it. I want to experiment on you. <laughs> just yeah, just make that become like a huge hardcore Deep Space Nine guy. Uh, I will add it to my ever growing list of things oh. I have to watch. Yeah, yeah. That that list of things i have to watch it's it's just so it's growing and growing and then every now and again i'm like i should i have to watch something new now watch something old that Mm. i i know nearly off by heart because it's comforting look it is 2020 you gotta do whatever gets you through yeah you know yeah i no judgments i (laughs) i've just been rereading comic book runs that make me happy yeah just because I'm just like this is this makes brings me joy. What what are some of the comic books you could recommend or that you like? Ooh. Um, I am like hella behind on a lot of stuff, but um, I I think one of my feel good runs in Marvel is uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey's run on Young Avengers. Oh, because it is super queer, which makes me really happy um and just like really lighthearted and fun and if you yeah. like loki being a little kid and being a little shit it's kind of great <laughs> that's one of the ones that i always give people like hey do you want to get into comics like this 
Oh. Uh, Matt, Fra- Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run, obviously, I'm a cliche, but um, let me think, what else? I, if you like, you know, if you have the stomach for dirty uh, stuff, Matt Fraction's Sex Criminals with Chip Zdarsky is very good. Okay. Uh, which is about folks who, when they are in the refractory period after orgasm, can stop time. Oh. <laughs> and it's it starts as being about that and then kind of becomes a story about, like, just, like, depression and relationships. and. Okay. I like yeah. Uh, uh, I'm looking at my shelf right now as we talk. Um, and Kelly Sue DeConnick's run on Captain Marvel is what I've been rereading. And that's what brings you to the Brie Larson version of Carol Danvers. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got some of those, um, that friend of mine recommended because yeah, I I loved Captain Marvel. Hmm. I loved it so much. Uh, it was just such a fun movie. And I, I have loved Carol Danvers since I was young. Like, she's been one of my, like, because I was a big superhero guy. I still am. But, like, you know, when I was a kid, I was hardcore. I'm looking at all my Captain Marvel art. I have so much Captain Marvel art in this room right now. But, um, you know, when that scene, when, like, the little pager, you know, in the post credit scene came up. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I screamed so loud in the theater. (laughs) Unintentionally just shrieked that everyone looked at me. <laughs> because I I love her so much. Yeah, yeah, and I I knew what it was. And I think, and I gasped. And I was just so pumped. But one thing I loved about it was the second time I saw Captain Marvel. So it came out on the Wednesday night, and that was then the Friday night. Mm. Um, there was a whole lot of teenage girls who was watching it and they were cheering and clapping and just loving it. And I was like, yes, this is the movie I want you to see. This is amazing. And with a brilliant soundtrack, can I just say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Brie Larson is perfect. And yeah. Anybody who talks shit about her as a person is not somebody I want to talk to. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Uh, um, <laughs> I I love that we're getting that now. Like seeing Black Panther with a crowd and just kids losing it at Black Panther. It just it fills me with such joy. Yeah. Because you know what? I got to see that all the time when I was a kid. I got a billion folks that look like me. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're seeing more people and everyone's getting a chance to see themselves on the screen and it doesn't have to be an immediate how to put this like it doesn't have to be the the same race for you to definitely see yourself in a person but it is great as well to see your you know someone with the same skin color as you or the same gender as you same going through the same issues as you on the screen and being a hero Am I making sense? Yeah, no. I think about like the thing Camille Nanjiani said where he was like, I had to, he's like, I was forced to see myself in white characters my whole life. 
And he was yeah. like, and then if I was able to do that, you know, white folks can, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And just fuck it. Like, I think folks, I think we need more. I think we as a culture have fallen really flat on queer characters. I think that's something where the MCU has totally kind of shot the bed. Yeah. Like that whole, uh, there's a gay character in Endgame nonsense. Uh, yeah. But that's what we need, I think. I think we need way more queer characters in nerddom. Yeah. Well, that's something where Star Trek is, again, taking a lead. Um, mm-hmm. So their Stamets, their their Kate was an engineer. He's married to the the medical officer, mm-hmm. so they have a you know a gay marriage and it's just accepted. And later on this season, I think we're having um, non-binary people, mm-hmm. like actors, actual actors, and then pl- playing non-binary characters mm-hmm. as well. And and yeah, like something Star Trek has embraced you know somewhat more than than others yeah i mean not always sometimes there was an episode of star trek next generation where i think for the time it was very progressive but you look at it sort of 20 Mm -hmm. to 30 years later and go oh you at the very end you you wussed out Mm -hmm. but still they were there trying and it paved the way for then later on you know gay representation yeah and it being okay and the norm Mm -hmm. and i um like i i spent in my job i specialize in gender non-binary and gender non-conforming clients like that that's what i do like i i work pretty exclusively in queer spaces and that and i I, when i heard that about star trek i got really excited because like there's so few you know non-binary characters and actors that are playing characters and stuff like shira was awesome with that yeah and i love shira um and i i would love to see more of that and yeah star trek has totally always been on the cutting edge with that over other yeah nerd stuff yeah yeah it's it's great that at least there's one franchise that is prepared to to push it even just a little bit, but still be at that cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And and let's not forget what they did in the 60s, the first interracial kiss yeah, between sure. Kirk and Uhura. That gets the pulses racing. You, you know there was some, like, you know, fandom menace of the time folks being like, I can't see this on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> I've... I'm sure there was, but I have also read that there was like a, a letter written to the um, the TV network saying, you know, I, I don't believe in interracial marriage, oh, yeah. but if Kirk gets a good-looking woman like Uhura in his arms, he's, he's going to kiss her, you know, so he was, it was like this not completely breaking everything down, but at least... A little crack going yeah she's a beautiful woman kirk's kirk he's gonna kiss her listen if i could kiss nichelle nichols now i would uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh but it's just 
yeah i and i'm glad you you like captain marvel the way i do because like i i i love it it makes me so happy to see other folks get a moment to shine it was yeah. a shame it was a shame in 2016 you know when all of the copies of the original ghostbusters were you know taken away and burned <laughs> you know like they they that not a single copy of the original <laughs> ghostbusters exists and those darn women took all of it and that was a real shame but besides that hmm. yeah yeah us women taking all of your things and wrecking was, them you know we, i we- when you showed up at my apartment and took my Ghostbusters DVD and broke it in half because you had to destroy every <laughs> copy and that movie doesn't exist anymore. You know, it was just a real shame. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible for the, it's that funny. 2016. It's it, really yeah. funny. Yeah. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was fine. Mm. You know, Chris Hemsworth was very funny and as well, like, yeah. but yeah, they've got great female leads. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very funny movie. The plot is not great for sure, it, but it is really very funny. And it's also this kind of weird thing where you kind of can't be critical about it without ending up inadvertently siding with the assholes. Yeah. do you remember when that angry video game nerd jerk like did that video how he's not going to review 2016 ghostbusters because it ruined his childhood and i was just like dude your childhood's still there it's it's not ruined like it's 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 not even like a, a hard reboot it's just another version of it you know, get over it. And if, yeah, original one's still there, you can show your kids that one, mm-hmm. fine. Like, you don't have to look at it again. But why, why is it ruining your childhood? It's not. You know what? Your childhood must have been very uneventful if the existence of 2016 Ghostbusters <laughs> ruins it for you. If If that's not happening in your childhood... It can't ruin your childhood. Yeah. I'm trying to think if, yeah, no, nothing ruined my childhood. Like, I mean, things that happened in my childhood ruined my childhood, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean. There's one movie I am nerd ragey about. Yeah. And gets my blood boiling, which is Man of Steel. And that movie makes me like irra- irra- irrationally angry. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I hate it. And that is the one thing I am nerd ragey about. Other stuff, I'm just like, eh, not for me. But Man of Steel, ooh. Yeah. So, I'm not very good with the DC stuff because yeah, they they lost me. That was it, Superman returns or something mm-hmm. like back in the 2000s where yeah it was just it that wasn't good yeah I think yeah I watched Man of Steel and then I don't think I've watched a DC apart from Nolan Batman's mm-hmm. and Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman mm-hmm. otherwise yeah I don't I haven't watched them I just 
can't be bothered. Shazam's pretty delightful. Oh yeah, Shazam. Shazam was great. Yeah. Birds of Prey was the last blockbuster I saw in theaters, and that movie is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've I've had a few people not love it, but not for you know like like ragey you know, girl, girls. I think they wanted it to do more or be slight, even more wacky or they wanted the music choices to be mm-hmm. something else. So they didn't come out hating it. I think they came out a bit more meh mm-hmm. about it where they wanted to love it but but didn't. So that was yeah. as bad as, as harsh as I've heard people get about Birds of Prey. So. There, there are, it's okay to not like things like cool, yeah. but le- not like them for like, you know, what the movie is. And yeah. I have a soft spot for certain actresses that when they actresses and character actors that when they show up, like I'm in no matter what. And Rosie Perez is one of those performers. <laughs> so like the second Rosie Perez showed up, I'm like, this is the best. And I'm so in. Yeah, uh, we haven't even talked about your love of, you know, certain older male character actors. Like, you know, so DadCon got <laughs> discussed on on your Pitch Black uh-huh. and I'm all in on DadCon. Um, so we then got into a discussion of Bosch, which, <laughs> yeah, I, I watch um, – and I think I sort of took a bit of a tongue-in-cheek approach to describing it as, you know, a, a L.A. cop who doesn't quite go by the rules. And, yes, he listens to jazz, which, of course, he does. He he sold his story to be made into a movie at some point in time, which is why he can afford this ridiculous house in the L.A. hills. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I, I still mm. enjoy it. And that's for those of you who don't know, I can't remember the actor's name without looking on IMDb, but he played the man, the man in black on Lost. Mm-hmm. And I've got a weak spot for him. Yeah. I don't think you understand how freaking hyped I am to now know what Bosch is. Because... <laughs> 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 because... <laughs> The, the New York City subway system is covered in Bosch ads when a new season is coming out. <laughs> and there was something magical about never looking up what it was. <laughs> and it's just a world of possibilities of what Bosch could be. <laughs> I was like, is he a detective? Is he a, is he a fixer for Hollywood? Is he like, and you being like, I watch Bosch. I know what Bosch is. It it was like the skies opened up and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I I got su- super into Bosch. I danced along with the theme song, which is jazz. So it's a very bad jazz. All right. Jazz dance. Um, and, yeah, they had this one of the seasons, the main mystery, there was a murder that took place on the Angel Steps, like little tram thing mm. that's on – in LA, so I was going to go to LA earlier, the, oh, about a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and before everything, 
and and I found it on you know my Google searches. It was relatively new, something like right. Okay, I have to go to Angel Steps mm-hmm. because of Bosch. I love that. This. And then on Perry Mason, that um, the recent one, mm-hmm. they also had a thing taking place on Angel Steps. I'm like, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. I know what that is. <laughs> Do you know that, that like, I, I love when places reuse spots. Like there's one alleyway in downtown New York that anytime you see a movie with a grimy alleyway, it's that one. <laughs> because we don't actually have that many scary alleyways. <laughs> oh, so it's just. The one scary alleyway in the whole of New York. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> oh, I get that. Like, but there's something kind of magical about going to places from things you love and kind of being in that space. So I love that you have that for Bosch. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me so happy. With Bosch. <laughs> when, when are you doing yeah. Bosch minute by minute? Oh. Well, this is the first time I've sort of publicly admitted how how much I enjoy Bosch. Um, so if anyone else is interested in a Bosch rewatch, sure, we'll just add it to the list of other rewatches mm-hmm. we have to do. But um, I yeah. love it. I love it. This is this makes me so happy <laughs> that somebody loves Bosch, and because I had <laughs> no clue what it was. Yeah, I I think a friend at work. Her family like reads the novels, so mm-hmm. she was excited about there it. There are and novels. I, it... I didn't even know. Yeah, books. They're, they're based on novels. What? <laughs> are we going to get a Bosch cinematic universe? I, I'm so hyped <laughs> right now. But so and so, she was really excited for it, and it was coming on SBS, which is yeah one of our our shows our channels here mm. so i was i was excited for it um but what's also awesome about it is that they've got their cause or group of characters and then they'll have people who might be there for a season but they'll just pop up randomly in an episode mm-hmm. a season or two seasons down the line because you know they're, they're still dealing with that court case or um the the person who was trying to the lawyer who was trying to get Bosch in the first season, mm-hmm. he ended up hiring her as his defense attorney in like the fourth or fifth season or something, you know. So mm-hmm. they've got their great little continuity. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, yeah. Here's a proposal I have for you. <laughs> I'm throwing this out there. So you listened to my show and got emotionally invested in movies you've never seen. Yeah, I need you to do a Bosch cast so I can listen to it and then get invested in Bosch via podcast form. Okay, okay. So I'll I'll have to be doing a call out for people to 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 watch Bosch with me. I will listen to your Bosch cast. Uh, <laughs> and I, I I'll. Fuck it. I'll watch a random Bosch if you want me back. But like out of context, like without any other Bosch is my stipulation. Oh, <laughs> oh geez. I love the Bosch cast, please. Yeah. Yeah. Bosch cast. Got to happen. Got to happen. Now uh, it's going on my list mm. of, yes, yeah, so I have a little old envelope of 
where I've written Young Avengers as okay. a comic book I've got to look up. And now I'm writing Bosch cast. Yes. So I, it's done. You got one. It's lit. on my list. <laughs> you got me and a slew of dads getting ready to listen to the Bosch cast. <laughs> uh, the dads are where it's at. Yeah. I love dad content. Dad content's great content. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm friends with a couple of dads who do a podcast about Peppa Pig. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're having a great time. Um, apparently a new episode of Bluey dropped this morning here in Australia and all the dads are getting very emotional about it. So if you want an emotional kids cartoon, Bluey is right. the way to go. Yeah. I cry at literally everything. Yeah. So bring it on. I... It's, it is sad, the things I cry at. So last night was the grand final for our football. Mm-hmm. And and during the presentation of the medals, they have little kids, you know, in the, in the um, winning team's jumper presenting the players with their premiership medals. Mm. And so seeing little kids presenting medals to the big strapping footballers, I was crying. And then some of the footballers came up with their their little children, their babies and things to get their medals, weeping, weeping. Oh, and then it was the last game of a player whose father had played and then it was mm-hmm. and then it's his last game and they lost and I was weeping and I'm invested in neither side. I've not mm-hmm. watched the football at all this year. <laughs> but, yeah. No. So I'm with you. Look, nothing wrong with that. We, yeah, we watched uh, Kajillionaire last night, which is a wonderful movie, and I was, I was like, overwhelmed crying, and my wife looks over at me and she's like, uh, okay, because <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I was crying buckets. I cried at the pacifier when we watched it, and I hate that movie. <laughs> and then that makes you even hate a movie more when you're like you made me cry and i didn't want to you manipulative bastard of a movie oh you get me a little kid saying please don't leave or a little kid being like you know oh you know i love you so and so i am i'm over the moon yeah and i'm I'm just i'm crying buckets and i'm sad and happy and just i can't (laughs) yeah well Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thank been great fun. Me. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, so we've got the Fan the Furious mm-hmm. podcast. What's coming up on that? Let's see. Oh, gosh, we've recorded so many of these in advance. Um, so I think you got Chronicles of Riddick coming up, which is, I think, one of our best episodes. You've got... Oh, oh darn. Let me, let me look at this. Now, now you Speed got Racers. Oh, that Spy Racers this week. Yes. Coming out. Um, oh, shit. I forgot we did that. Yes. Um, we have a way too in-depth discussion <laughs> of the second season of Fast and Furious Spy Racers coming out this week. Excellent. And after that, we have our episode on Knockaround Guys, 
which is a very boring movie where Vin Diesel is ungodly sexy in it. <laughs> like the sexiest Vin Diesel has ever been. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. He is. Whew. I'm getting hot just thinking about him. <laughs> and then once we finish up uh, in about April is when Vindicated, our Vin Diesel show, will be over. And then we're moving on to another performer and doing their entire filmography. Oh, can't wait to hear who it is. Can't I'm sure you figured it out by now. Uh, Off mic, I want to hear your guess and I'll tell you if you're right. Uh, um, okay. All right. I'm not going to give any clues away. Um, so people can find you at Fan and Furious on Twitter and on um, all the normal podcast places. I'm at That Geek Pod on Twitter and Instagram um, and Facebook. Um, so you can find me there and on all good and evil podcasters podcatchers whatever that geek pod will return bye bye